welcome to the first episode of Detox, the new podcast series of the International Diabetes Federation. I'm your host, Felissa DeRose. We kick off the series with a conversation on the mental and psychological impact of living with a chronic condition like diabetes. I'm delighted to welcome our guest today, Ken Tate. How are you doing? I'm doing fine. Nice to meet you again, Felissa. How are you? <laughs> I am well. Ken is from the UK and is a psychotherapist, mentor, and management consultant. He lives with type 2 diabetes. Ken is a member of the IDF Blue Circle Voices Network. Ken, thanks so much for joining us. You're welcome. I'm glad to be here. Thank you very much for inviting me. So my first question for you, Ken, is diabetes distress. It's a term that's used to describe when a person feels frustrated, defeated, or overwhelmed by diabetes. Can you tell us more about it and how it differs from other mental health conditions? I suppose there's there are similarities, but there are great differences as you as you so rightly pointed out uh, I think the, one of the differences is probably uh, does diabetes causes uh, the emotional problems I tend to call them emotional problems rather than mental because that seems a rather medical medical terminology to me than anything else yeah. um, and yes our causes it, as I said, diabetes can cause these problems because it it is a um, would you call it a disease that affects our nervous system. That that's the that's our main problem, and that affects the brain and everything else. And I think our uh, main problems are probably with the hypos or hypoglycemia and hyper and hyperglycemias, where uh, your brain doesn't work right, <laughs> if I can put it that way. Uh, where you, if you're in a high pole, you tend to go into different moods, and people can be very um, annoying to you, even though they're not annoying to you. You know, and all that sort of thing, and you, you get anxious and anxiety and everything else going with it uh, i think as you as you probably well know it, it does really uh, affect you in that way i think the other area is probably burnout mm. where you know you just get so fed up testing yourself uh injecting yourself or whatever even people that are not on, uh, on insulin you know they just get fed up with it and just say, oh, I'm not, I don't have a diabetes, you know, I'm, I'm just going to give up and everything, you know. So <clears throat> these are probably our areas, but they all lead to the same thing, okay. which is depression, anxiety, stress. And stress can lead to the other two areas, you know, and obviously, unfortunately, diabetes uh, causes, uh, can cause uh, depression and anxiety. And guess what? When we have diabetes, we get depression and anxiety. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a double-edged sword, as the saying goes. I think the other area that we need to cover, in a sense, is stigma. Okay. You know, though, yeah, because the, 
if you're getting stigma uh, from various sources, you know, and it could be a healthcare professional, it could be the media, it could be your family, it could be your friends, it could be just anybody walking on the street, just about. And it can really play on you to uh, not function properly, if you say what I mean. And we need to, people to understand that stigma, that diabetes is a hidden disease, as you know. Mm-hmm. Nobody can see it unless you're doing finger breaking and as I call it, stabbing yourself in public. <laughs> but, you know, it, it is an area that we really need to uh, combat. And I think uh, in a big way, and it's not often known that people obviously as well with um, between the different types, right. it's, we have the uh, what I heard the other week there, and I thought it was absolutely brilliant. Was othering, where it's not mine, it's the other person. Right, right. <laughs> you know, and when you get that sort of uh, thing, the person that thinks it's diabetes is about sugar and things. Guess what? They still think about it as being sugar because it's still diabetes, as far as they're concerned. <laughs> And can you just give an example of stigma, Ken? I know that, you know, when you're in the diabetes space, we understand it. But, like, for people who don't know what diabetes stigma is, what would be an example of it? Basically, you know, we get these questions, you know, should you be eating that? You know, that I think is probably the biggest one that we tend to get, you know, you'd be good. And... As I said, if you're a type 1 diabetes, you can eat that and nobody worries about it and everything else because you uh, give uh, insulin. But if you're a type 2 diabetes, in a sense, you're not supposed to have that cake. Mm. I kind of disagree with that. (laughs) What (laughs) What I think is, yeah, it's fine to have the cake now and again in moderation and everything in moderation rather than eating the whole cake. I wouldn't eat the whole cake anyway, but you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah. And sure. people th- also, if you're obese and everything else, they uh, you know, then they think automatically that you are a type two diabetes or a person with type two diabetes. And it's same for people like yourself, you know, uh, people of color, where they really have that stigma, where yeah. they really you know <clears throat> oh you're because you're a person you have type two you may have type one yeah, you may that. have lidar who knows <laughs> until you get tested but because they see that that is what they assume and that's been portrayed unfortunately in the media and also by healthcare professionals i must admit in a big way now yeah. continuing with healthcare professionals like you were diagnosed with diabetes. I was diagnosed with diabetes. It was extremely emotional for me, but like for you, how was it? And do you feel that healthcare providers are doing enough to address like the emotional side of the diagnosis? Uh, I was diagnosed 22 years ago, or as I call it, I was married to my diabetes 22 years ago. (coughs) Unfortunately, it's till death us do part. (laughs) Um, the 
I took it in my stride in a sense, I suppose, uh, because maybe because of my own training and everything else that was going with it. But you're right, emotional side is never, unfortunately, or hasn't been until probably just recently, been part of the uh, looking at you as a whole person rather than somebody just has diabetes. Uh, and I think that needs to be much more looked at. Uh, especially, as I say, the emotional side, because we talk about our figures, our HbA1c, you know, our three monthly uh, checkup and everything else. <laughs> and these can be emotional problems as well, because they can go high, as you well know. They can go lower. And that could be for various reasons. And it can be for things like stress, depression, anxiety. So by having uh that knowledge and ask the, the healthcare profession asking the question what is or what has happened in the last nine months of the you know since we last met or whenever it was because that could be the reason it you know as you know diabetes doesn't play fair it decides what it wants to do and you have to go along with it very true <laughs> Yeah, so I think that is probably much more to my uh, way of thinking that we need healthcare professionals to ask the questions uh, because uh, if they don't ask the questions, then they're not going to know the whole story. Very and the unfortunate thing is, we as di people with diabetes and patients generally always lie. <laughs> we always lie. <laughs> we lie. And tell me more. <laughs> Yeah, did you have that uh, piece of chocolate the other day there? No, I didn't have any chocolate. Oh. <laughs> did you check your blood sugar fasting? Of yeah. course I did. Yes, I took it for a hypo, but you didn't have a hypo. Uh, okay, <laughs> but you know. Right, right, I get it. And since you're in the UK and I'm in America, can you tell me what it's like for mental health or emotional um, support in the UK? I don't know about America very much, uh, but it's probably not great in the UK. And I totally believe that. Unfortunately, because we're, you know, we have different um, ways of working in the healthcare, you have insurance, or we have the, what's called the NHS, National Health Service. Uh, and everything is free, <laughs> but uh, and people want to have free um, health, um, emotional problems or uh, counselling or psychotherapy, and that can be a very very long waiting list. And I think there's not enough people like you and me, Felicia, who have got diabetes that can actually help these people. Because a lot of psychotherapists and counsellors, and I'm saying psychotherapists and counsellors rather than psychologists, because they are a totally different breed entirely, <coughs> um, don't have diabetes and, and don't understand it. Okay. And I think that needs to be, some sort of training needs to be uh, uh, done in that way. Uh, and I'm just blowing on trumpet because I'm a private uh, psychotherapist. <laughs> but there we go. But no, it is true. It is a very long waiting list in the UK, and they need to um, bring that down. 
in a bigger way? I would say it's similar in the States. Like I only recently heard about a psychologist, psychotherapist, psycho anybody <laughs> that focuses on diabetes. And I was just like, wow, like what an appointment that would be for me. Like I've been in therapy for various reasons, but never for diabetes. And I think that would be important. Um, so the next question I have for you is what practical tips would you give people living with diabetes to help them cope with psycholo- with the psychological impact of their condition? Unfortunately, you have to listen to your healthcare professional. <laughs> that is apparent. <laughs> However, you need to make sure it's a good healthcare professional. <laughs> and I will say that uh, in a, a way. Uh, somebody that understands diabetes you know, not just giving you a pill and telling you to go away and do some exercises and uh, you'll be fine, you know. Um, diabetes is a progressive disease for type 2. Type 1, unfortunately, they have it for life at this moment in time until it is a cure. Uh, and that can be a long way off. They keep saying it's every five years, but uh, it doesn't happen that way, unfortunately. So my main thing is, I would always say, you manage your diabetes, not the diabetes managing you. Oh, nice. Yes. Say yeah. that again. <laughs> <laughs> you manage your diabetes, not your diabetes managing you. And I mean that, but, you know, we get so... Um, involved in our figures you know the hb1c our daily pricking uh, of our fingers or if you're lucky to have one of these cgm things then <coughs> fine and you look at it and you think oh it's going up what the hell? you know and you get so worked up about it it's just to say okay what's happening and just look at it over a long period of time and as i say if you can get a good uh healthcare professional, uh, then that is fine. They can help you to understand that a bit better because that's the technical side. We don't know the technical side. We are experts in diabetes for us, but we don't know really the technical side, unless, of course, you're a doctor or uh, somebody that has actually studied it. But we have to uh, find out for ourselves, find out information as well. Um, I see a lot of people uh, going onto the internet, uh, especially for people with type 2 diabetes, and they look at all these diets yes. that are going on. Yeah. And they think, oh, yeah, I'll try that one. Oh, that didn't work. I'll try this one. Oh, that didn't work. And guess what? Before not long, you actually become having a, a, an eating disorder. And that is something that I kind of uh, worry about especially in the NHS uh, and the, the the way that's happening in UK is everything has is now pre-diabetes is trying to walk what they call walking away from diabetes you know looking at uh, your your food intake and everything else and, and going on some sort of diet even they have a one called an 800 diet for those that are have uh, diabetes you think well after a while because I have seen so many people coming into my, you know, uh, to see me, 
they will have eating disorders because you lose weight. You think this is great. I'm fine. I'm okay. I'll start eating again. And guess what happens? You put it back on again and sometimes more. So you go back on the diet and you keep doing this cycle and your body doesn't like that too much. And diabetes loves it, by the way. <laughs> I think that's such an important thing to bring up. Well, you know, I don't think I had an eating disorder. I don't know. But I remember being diagnosed and thinking what I can't eat, can't eat. Like I was hyper focused on everything that went into my mouth. And yeah, it, it does cause emotional feelings. Yeah. I, it, 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 I mean, for the first two years, I didn't eat chocolate because I was, you know, oh, I, I can't eat anything sugar, I can't do this, I can't do that, and the next thing. And then I had a, an endocrinologist in Edinburgh, um, not where I am now, and he turned around and said, no, life is for living. You know, so enjoy that chocolate, enjoy that cake, enjoy the sugar rush, but as I said before, not all the time. <laughs> okay, right, moderation. Moderation. Yeah, you know, and, and manage your diabetes. Yeah. Uh, and I think the the thing that also is, is first thing. Now, sometimes healthcare professionals will say, "Yeah, you'll you'll eventually go on to insulin." Right. And they can actually use that as a, a, a weapon. You know, if you don't behave yourself, you will, you'll, you'll be going on insulin. Insulin should never be fearful or weaponized in any shape or form. I agree. You I know. agree 100%. <laughs> yes. Because <laughs> if you were a normal person, guess what? You make insulin <laughs> yes excellent um as we begin to wrap up our time i have enjoyed this conversation so much i don't want you to go without one last word is there anything that you know is burning for you to say about mental health and diabetes if you're feeling bad if you're feeling low and you're not wondering what what's happening. Either talk to somebody <clears throat> that will just listen, because listening is the paramount. Not to listen to reply, but just to listen. Or find good professional help. Okay. Yeah, because it, it can lead to various problems like suicide, unfortunately, and. You know, especially uh, the younger generation, uh, you know, they, especially type ones, will stop taking their uh, insulin because they want to be normal like their friends. Right. You know, you are normal. You just have something extra, unfortunately. <laughs> and just go with the flow. And as I said, manage your diabetes. Don't let it manage you. <laughs> I like that. Thank you. <laughs> So much, Kim, for this very stimulating conversation. We've heard a lot of useful insights that I'm sure will be of value to our listeners across the world. Before we close, I'd like to ask you to share where our listeners can find you on social media if they have any follow-up questions. Uh, they can find me on Twitter. And, 
I'm actually called Bromley diabetic. Or Bromley diabetic. B R O M L E Y diabetic. Uh, obviously, D I A B I whatever. <laughs> uh, or they can find me on Kifty, which is K I F F T Y. And for the phonetics, it's Kilo India, Foxtrot, Foxtrot, Tango, Yankee. <laughs> okay. Thanks so much again, Ken. That's all for this month. Thanks for listening. And make sure you join us next month for a brand new episode of D-Talk, Conversations in Diabetes, brought to you by the International Diabetes Federation.